Um, I've got an announcement to make just before um, I speak. Um, many of you will know Karen Gascoigne, and Karen and Matthew are with family today, so they've not been able to be with us. But uh, Karen stepped into a breach when uh, Suzanne went to uh, IHOP, the International House of Prayer, and for whew, a long time now, probably a year, Ian, I would think, is it, or, or a little bit more, um, Karen's been working with us, but um, the Lord's been speaking to her, and just in the last two weeks, her husband received a word from the Lord, and we always have to act on those men, don't we? When the Lord speaks, and the Lord said to him, you need to release your wife into the next season of her life, writing and different things, and uh, I will provide for you. You need to make this step. And so she has resigned uh, from her position in the ministry, and she's moving on to other things. So we'll probably talk more about that afterwards. But we have a vacancy. So the trustees are running around now and uh, making sure that we can advertise and then start interviewing um, because the four weeks notice period is already running. So please pray for us as we seek the next person to fill uh, those shoes in the office. The, the ministry is moving forwards. I was just so excited with what God's uh, doing with us. And if we could have this PowerPoint on, that would be really helpful. Oh, praise the Lord. That lovely young couple is Jenny and I. It's, Jenny doesn't like that old photo, but we look young on it. I mean, anything that makes me look younger, I, I like to use. You know those ones where people, you know, you see their latest book and they're actually 90 years of age, but they look about 35. You know those pictures, you've seen those. Well, I, I love that photo. I'm sorry, Jenny, but David and Irene took this photo and, and I love it. So we want to express to you our thanks for all that you have sown into this ministry in 2017. We have come a tremendously long way in 12 months, again, from last year, haven't we? So um, we'll probably review that into the new year, but we just want to say we love you massively. Do you like that photo, even if Jenny doesn't? Yeah, I like, I like that photo. She, like, she likes the brand new ones, you know, with more maturity showing. Anyway, let's move on. I want... Do you like the flashing star? Yeah, that's me. No, it's not. It's not. Now, come on. Think. Hey, there we go. I, I want to just talk for a few minutes about authenticity. Very nice word. Very important word. Authentic means of undisputed origin, not a copy, genuine. Uh, another one in the dictionary is made or done in the traditional or original way or in a way that faithfully resembles an original. I like the third uh, dictionary definition, based on facts, accurate or reliable. Uh, Luke chapter 1, Luke is an amazing historian and uh, has been accredited by um, scholars of his authentic writing. And in Luke chapter 1, I mean, if you, if, you know, over Christmas, why don't you read the, the whole of Luke? Because he is just an incredible writer. And he says this. We don't know who Theophilus was. But he says, and this is in the complete Jewish Bible, concerning the matters that have taken place among us, many people have undertaken to draw up accounts based on what was handed down to us by those who from the start were 
eyewitnesses and proclaimers of the message. Therefore, Your Excellency, since I have carefully investigated all these things from the beginning, it seemed good to me that I too should write you an accurate and ordered narrative so that you might know how well-founded are the things about which you have been taught. Now, the King James or the New King James says that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. We, as we read the book of Luke in particular, we can know the certainty upon which our faith is founded. Amen? Because it is authentic. Amen? Now, the fact is, we live in a post-Christian era. And uh, Wikipedia says that a post-Christian world is one where Christianity is no longer the dominant civil religion, but a world that has gradually, over extended periods of time, assumed values, culture, and worldviews that are not necessarily Christian, and further, may not necessarily reflect any world religion's standpoint. Would you agree we live in a post-Christian era today, where the Bible has been banished from many places, prayer is not... Uh, recognized in, in many places as well as it has in the past. And people don't talk about God in the way that they used to. When you watch old news reels or even you watch some of the old films, God was often spoken about, people often prayed, and um, it, it had a higher profile in our lives. But we've gone a million miles away from that, especially in the 20th century when we began changing our laws in this nation and moved away from the Bible as the, you know, the central point of our lives. And we began making all kinds of things legal that previously, as they had done the laws based on the Word of God, had not been legal. So brought this nation under a curse. So we're living in this post-Christian era. But he uses the term religion. And I wanted to just look at uh, religion and also Christmas, authentic Christian, uh, Christmas, authentic religion. Religion is the belief and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God or gods. This is a dictionary definition. It is also a particular system of faith and worship. And thirdly, where I think quite a few people sit, it's a pursuit or an interest followed with great devotion. Sadly, Religion or Christianity is followed just as a pursuit or an interest by many people. I would say most of us here are very passionate about our faith, about our Christian faith. Amen? So, I really think this is a good definition, and it's kind of one that, uh, that I think is quite the thing. Religion is man's attempt to make himself good enough for God and heaven. Because many of us spend time with people who, when you talk to them about the Lord, will often say, well, I'm not religious. You know, do you go to church? No, I'm not religious. And they use this term quite often. And we need to be armed, ready. Religion, there's so many religions. And religion is man really trying to make himself in that place where he feels acceptable before God and able to go to heaven. So, in a post-Christian world, what is an authentic Christmas and what is authentic religion? The actual word religion itself is only mentioned about half a dozen times in the New Testament. And it's mentioned twice in James here, where James just talks about... And obviously, 
It's recorded in the New Testament in Greek, and the translators have used the, the translate, they've translated it religion. And he basically says this, if anyone amongst you thinks he's religious, then he needs to keep his mouth shut at times. He needs to bridle his tongue. Because often with our mouths we deceive our own heart, and if we do so, that religion is useless. So I just want to just think a little bit about religion because Christmas has become a non-religious holiday, hasn't it? There's more people that believe in Santa Claus today, Father Christmas, than they do in Jesus. And the cards that we used to send a few years ago, not even decades ago, might have had a stable scene on it. But nowadays, we've moved away from that to all kinds of other things. A cute little robin, a snowy scene, or a guy in a red and white suit. Is that right? So, what is the true meaning of Christmas is what I wanted to quickly explore today. This is going to go on YouTube, so hopefully people will watch this who at the moment do not have a relationship with God. So it's important. Is it the one on the right with uh, reindeers and Rudolph at the front, or is it Joseph, Mary and a little baby? Well, what is authentic about Christmas? See, because I grew up in a Christian home and I was taught about the tooth fairy and I was taught about the guy in the red and white suit as well as various other things that, you know, are not necessarily authentic and real and factual. So, was Jesus born in December? Okay, when was he born then, you well-educated people? At Tabernacles, around September, October. Yes, we know that, don't we? Were there three wise men? This is a trick question. Where's the children? Was there three wise men, children? Because it mentions three gifts that they brought. What were those gifts? Where's the children? What were the gifts that the wise men brought? Ask Tim. Gold, myrrh, and frankincense. Very good. Give him a, a sweet, please, Pastor. Because they've made carols, written carols and all sorts of things, now we've ended up with kind of three wise men, haven't we? But w there could have been any amount that brought the resources that Jesus, and especially his mum and dad, needed at that time. You know, if God can provide for him, God can provide for every one of you and I. Amen. There was a lot of gold that was brought to Jesus because they would need to go away for quite a while and live in a really nice hotel, wouldn't they? And they needed a first-class camel and all the things to take care of the family. So here's another thing. The red and white suit, you know where that came from? The marketing people at Coca-Cola came up with the colors for that guy that we take children to go and see. So there we go. Now, who is Jesus? This is more important because <laughs> we've already hit the authentic Christmas over the head, haven't we? But I love Christmas. I, I was brought up with, you know, the, I, I don't want to use the M word, but just an amazing Christmas. I love you, it's magical. Uh, Christmas. Um, you know, where we went to bed at night and there was, there was nothing in the bedroom and then we woke in the morning there was a stocking and this great big sack full of toys. It was a wonder as a child. 
But Jesus is the most important thing. And if we're going to talk about authentic religion, we need to know who Jesus is, don't we? We need to know why he was born, do we not? Now, here's a scripture in Isaiah 9 that's often used at Christmas. Let's read it together, and then you can uh, be a part of this. Are we ready? Three, two, one. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You know what? We're going to need that as we move into 2018 with North Korea doing what it's doing and various other governments, we are moving into uncharted territory where we're moving into a scary world, but of his government and peace, there will be no end. In the midst of whatever we're going to go through in 2018, we have the wonderful counselor living on the inside of us. We have the Prince of Peace. Now, John 1, 4, uh, uh, one, one to four, and then verse fourteen, because um, Tupo mentioned it, I think, this morning about the word becoming flesh. In the beginning was the word, and obviously that's Jesus. Let's say it together. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, children, when the teachers start talking about the Big Bang Theory and evolution, you need to know that in the beginning was not the Big Bang. In the beginning was God. And he created all things. Jesus is God and he is the creator and the sustainer. I haven't got the faith to believe that given enough time, a monkey can turn into a human being. Or those cars in the car park out the front can turn into lorries. But you see, we're told given enough time, anything can happen. Is that right? One thing I know for a surety is that evolution is definitely not true. How many of you children have ever gone into your bedroom and it's been tidy? Did that happen by accident? Did you walk out of your room with various things scattered around and toys and whatnot and then just supernaturally they all went back into the place where they should be? Did that ever happen? Or did mum or dad go and tidy it? Yes, you see, that's honesty. And how many of you, when mum and dad say, please tidy your room, Sam? How many, uh, uh, does Sam and any others just say, yes, mum and dad, I'll do it now. I'll leave my Game Boy here or whatever it is, PS something, and and I'll go do it. I'll leave the television, I'll go do it. Any, any, No? What we observe in life is order going into chaos, don't we? We don't ever see chaos going into order, do we? How many have seen an explosion and something amazing 
has occurred out the explosion. You ever seen that? So we know evolution is not true. Jesus, it's so easy to believe in God compared to believing that cows kept running into the sea and drowning and then they decided we need to change. I've seen it in the books, seriously. I've read the books where the, the front legs change into flippers and, the, and all that stuff. And people believe that and they teach that. It's so much easier to believe in the beginning God. <laughs> God created. Anyway, listen, I'll get off my soapbox. There's the other thing, authentic religion. There is an impression, and you'll be taught it in schools, young people, that all religions lead to God. Yes? And heaven. All religions are the same. It doesn't matter what you believe. The important thing is that you believe something. Is that right? No. Now, the answer is studying the claims of Jesus. When you're having a conversation, because... We have to be really careful now. I noticed Theresa May has just done a speech, and she said, how wonderful that you know we've got the tradition of Christianity in this country where we can follow our beliefs and all the faiths are protected. You tell that to the street preachers who this year have been arrested, who where people have worn crosses or what have you, have been told that's offensive to other religions or where councils have stopped doing all kinds of things, even calling the celebrations Christmas in case it offends other religions. Well, you need to be armed and ready to give an account because Jesus made some amazing and unique statements. He said this, and Maria, I think, quoted it this morning, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, hello, say that, no one. No one comes to the Father except through me. You don't get to God via a religion, no matter how serious about that religion or passionate about that religion you are. Jesus Christ never came to start a religion. Jesus didn't start, uh, come to start Christianity, and he didn't try and bolster up Judaism. He didn't come to start a religion. He came to show us what the Father was like, didn't he? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he came to demonstrate rather than just to try and start something. But he did make this declaration. And he was either mad, he was bad, or he was God. So he was either off his head when he said it, he was either trying to con people or he was who he said he was. And he is the most important person in all of history because our faith rests on a person, not just on a belief system. So he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You won't get to God, you won't get to heaven, you won't get eternal life unless you come through me. John 6, 51, Jesus likened himself to bread, which came down from heaven. If anyone feeds on this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. When he was saying those things, many of the disciples, it said, had an issue because they thought he was talking about cannibalism, eating him literally or drinking his blood. 
But Jesus said, unless you are one with me, then that will not do you any good. How many of you know fresh bread is lovely? We went to Bird's yesterday and we bought some fresh bread. It smells lovely. If you go into the supermarkets now to bake their own bread, you can smell it. And you can touch it. And it's really lovely, isn't it? But if you said, I've got bread and I've been buying it every day this week and it's sitting on the side at home. I love smelling it. I love touching it. And it feels absolutely amazing when it's fresh. Would that do you any good? You have to become one with it and get it to be one with you. Is that right? You have to imbibe it and make it a part of you for it to do you any good. It's no good having a Bible on the shelf. It's no good just going to church. It's no good just singing songs. You have to become one with Jesus. You have to have something that transacts and that takes place. It isn't just a cerebral thing. It is a heart faith, a trust, a belief, a receiving of him. John 10 says, I am the door. Jesus declared it. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. To get life in all of its fullness, we have to go through the door. Everybody today I know came through the door. And if you want to have eternal life, if you want to know Jesus personally, you have to go, or if you want to know God and get to heaven, you have to come through Jesus Christ, the door. Jesus declared in John ten thirty six, I am the Son of God. And in Luke four forty one, it says that when Jesus was ministering, the demons came out of him and the demons declared who he was and who he is. They said, you're the Christ, the Son of God. Because it says, they knew that he was the Christ. They knew that he was God. He'd come from God. He was the anointed one. Even the demons know who Jesus is. Aren't you glad about that? John 18, Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king for this cause I was born and for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And John 11, I love this, this scripture. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Most people are going to die before Jesus comes back and takes us to be with himself. So Jesus was saying, even if you are going to die physically, you will not die spiritually. You'll live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die, because when our body gives out, our spirit man and our soul goes into eternity, and we will still be us. It will only be the destination that will be different to where we are on the earth. We'll either go up or we'll go down. Amen? And it's a lot hotter in one of the places than it is in the other one. It'll be unbearable in one place. Amen? There's air conditioning in the other one. 
And Jesus made this statement to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he was thinking about physical birth, but Jesus said, no, listen, you've got to be born again of the Spirit. You have to be born again of the Spirit. So you have to have that spiritual transaction that comes where you repent and you turn around. Forgiveness is a free gift from God. It's been paid for by his son, Jesus. If you confess your sin to God, then that's 1 John 1, 9. And acknowledge your need of a savior. If you will repent and surrender your life to him, you will be forgiven. That's a definite. Your past is made clean. It's done away with. And God will prepare a place for you in heaven as his guest and part of his family. That is exciting. Now, I've nearly finished. One thing many acknowledge is that Christmas is a time for giving. Is that true? Have you got your presents ready to give? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, that's whoever, that includes you and it includes me, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world uh, many might be saved. That the world through him might be saved. God didn't send Jesus to condemn us. Aren't you glad about that? He came to bring us back, buy us back to himself. So Christmas is a time for giving. But also Christmas is a time for receiving, right? If you're going to give a gift... The recipient has got to receive it, unless they're extremely ungrateful and throw it back at you, which many will not, will they? You might open it and think, oh, that'll make a good present for somebody else next year. (laughs) As we do from time to time. Christmas is a time for receiving. And here's my last point on my last slide. What will you do with Jesus this Christmas? Will you acknowledge him? Will you take him into your life this year? If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never invited him to be the Lord of your life, and that's the issue. We can have bread and it do us no good. We can add Jesus to our lives and it won't take us where he wants us to go. We've got to completely put him on the throne of our lives and lay our own will down to receive him. Sometimes we have to lay our own intellect down because you will never fathom God out. Because you're not God. We're made in the image of God, but you will never fathom God out. Certainly this side of eternity. We'll understand a whole load more things the other side of eternity. But we need to receive him by faith. It's it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. It is a gift of God. It's not something that any of us can boast about. Well, I'm good enough. I've done this. I've done that. No, I have purely accepted 
his substitution for me. His death on the cross paid for my sin. I've given him my sin. He's given me his, what the Bible calls righteousness, right standing with him. So receive him today. Over this Christmas time, if you already know him, make him an important part of Christmas. Amen. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will lead you. He will direct you as you cut in the turkey, as you put in the food out. Whatever you're doing, as you acknowledge him, he will enter into your time and your season. And if you're watching this on YouTube and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, do it. Do it at this time. Do it in January or February, whenever it is. But make Jesus a part of your life. Amen. Amen.